Okay, this is an episode number 31 of Ross Growth Podcast, and today I'm talking to Sean Burns, who uh, is a customer success manager at LinkedIn, and we are talking about personal growth, sales, LinkedIn products, Sean's role models and mentors, and things that you'd hear on Team Ferry's podcast. I knew Sean before, since 2016, I believe, when I reached out to him on LinkedIn. I was about to start my business development role uh, at a B2B SaaS company and Sean gave me a lot of valuable advice and it was really great to caught up with him and have this conversation. The intro before that, it sounds way better. And, yeah. and you can edit it all, right? Yeah. You, you get to go behind the scenes and make it sound however you want. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a way, way, way better. But uh, Sean, thanks a lot for joining me here. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. It's, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm appreciative that you, you came and thought of me. It's been a while. I mean, I've seen you four years ago, I guess, here in this office, and uh, you were in the customer success role, and um, I was looking for... Well, actually, no, I, I think I joined... I joined the company uh, in a in a sales role, but um, how's how have things been on at LinkedIn for at that time? Yeah, it has been a while, but we we've obviously picked up where we left off. Uh, exactly. Some great conversation uh, preceding this. So, how have things been at LinkedIn? Well, it's been it's been exciting. You know, LinkedIn uh, for me has just been a, a wonderful work environment. The culture here is is something truly special, um, and I, I I'm still very 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 happy with uh, with customer success. There's actually despite customer success having been established at LinkedIn a while back. We're in kind of a state of, of transformation, looking at you know how we service our customers, how we bring customer value and define customer value. Yeah. So it's an exciting time in, in the world of customer success in, in LinkedIn. Yeah, which is amazing. I'm, I'm a big fan. Of, I don't think it's a secret that I'm a big fan of the product. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend it a lot. I think the value is LinkedIn Sales Navigator is, is insane. Uh, and, and also just even regular LinkedIn when you, when you just post the content. So in customer success, what kind of clients do you work with and what sort of uh, products do you generally um, suggest them? Yeah, so I work specifically in the sales solutions business unit of LinkedIn. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, we, we have five business units now uh, through through various acquisitions over the past couple of years. But sales solutions, we focus on, on selling a premium LinkedIn experience to sales organizations. So I specifically am in what we call our key accounts division in, in sales solutions. And I'm fortunate enough to focus on um, a handful of very large organizations. You can think of you know prominent organizations that fall into the Fortune 500. That's typically the world we, we get to, yeah. to work in. Which is awesome. I mean, you probably don't, you can't probably name the names, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, but you can think of, you know, a diverse group of, of industries, right? So anywhere from supply chain logistics um, through to manufacturing, technology, uh, you name it, we really run the gamut. And and for us, it's it's based on obviously the the size of, of their investment current day, but also um, the opportunity for us to build a, a deeper relationship there. And, and hopefully, um, should we should we be able to showcase value uh, with their investment, uh, go Walter to wall with their sales organizations and, and gear up their entire sales organization with the ability uh, and the tools they need to, to use LinkedIn as a, as a true you know, sales environment. Talk to me about LinkedIn Sales Navigator because, I mean, it's such a great product. What are some of the, um, I guess, use cases that you suggest 
or when you sell the product? Is it just strictly based strictly based on sales, or are you do you see that applicable in a marketing environment, or like how are the folks that you're dealing with like how they use the product? Yeah, so uh, we are exclusively, I would say, focused on sales. Marketing does get involved because there are components of our product um, that have to do with content creation uh, and and tracking of the effectiveness of content. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of our features called Point Drive is really focused on that. So that's when we'll bring in marketing to have a seat at the table because they're very interested in getting involved there but typically we are focused on on the sales environment and and that can range in terms of roles right whether you're sales development or a BDR where you're making cold calls you're trying to generate interest and get that that onto an account executive who's going to work the sales cycle or perhaps you're an account manager who's focusing on renewal business and building relationships in a current book of business uh, you can use sales navigator to help you help you do that and then account executives of course people who are trying to manage their own book of business generate opportunities work opportunities opportunities through to to revenue. Uh, we really run the entire spectrum of the sales organization. And, you know, a big focus of ours is is trying to attain um, wall-to-wall business when we talk about winning the sales organization. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is pretty cool. I mean, like, I'm sure there's a lot more coming to to the product as we discussed a little bit before we started in terms of like adding filters and like segmenting people. Uh, even for sales, I feel like it still will be effective, you know, for folks who are targeting certain accounts uh, and you can do that on LinkedIn, but like adding more to just sending messages and uh, tracking them uh, by activity. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it is a robust product. We we have my hat goes off to our, our product team um, that you know is out in the West Coast, but they've done a fantastic job, as you alluded to, Sergey. You've, you've seen some of these advancements, and there's there's a lot. Believe me when I tell you uh, that you're going to see in the near future. Um, it is a product that has developed substantially over the years to cater to the needs of, of salespeople. Right, our, our primary value propositions are helping sales professionals to, to find the right organizations and the right people. Right, everybody's got got a, a target audience that they want to, to penetrate, that they want to generate business with. So that is is typically the main use case for, for people using Sales Navigator. Uh, outside of that, we give them an environment where they can research and have... Yeah. Yeah, and have proactive updates pushed to them about accounts and leads that they're interested in. And then finally, we give them an, a new way to to really engage with those those people and those organizations uh, differently outside of the conventional methods of, of email and phone calls. Which matters a lot, especially when everybody gets a, a ton of notifications every day, which we just talked about, but we'll go back to that. Now, I've seen you reposted this quote on LinkedIn, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, in a world where every, everyone is speeding up and cramming their schedule to get ahead, uh, the more knowledge worker should do the opposite. Slow down, work less, learn more, and think long-term. How do you apply to that? Apply to apply this to your work because I think it's brilliant. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, and, and gosh, isn't that a challenge that we all have? We, we discussed this as you mentioned prior to uh, getting on the mic here. Uh, it's it's a challenge, right? It, it, and and I I'd love to sit here and tell you that I've I've mastered it, but it it is a work in progress. Uh, I would say in terms of how I do it today, I I've been fortunate to work with with some very uh, very strong 
sales professionals and, and people who have strong leadership qualities and who have taken an interest in my in my personal and professional development. Um, one of those individuals, uh, you know, I'll name him. His name is Jesse Rothstein. He's a colleague of mine that sits out of New York. And, and Jesse is very intentional with his time. He, he's very focused on how he spends his time mm-hmm. uh, in pursuit of, of that, which is going to yield, you know, tangible results. And so Jesse, Jesse really sat down with me. This might have been a, a year or two ago. And he, he asked me on the spot, he said, open up your calendar. Let's see your calendar. And uh, I, very cool. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. A kind of an immersive learning experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, so I opened up my calendar and immediately he noted, he, he said, you know, where are your, your slots for, for strategic work? Right. Um, I've heard it referred to as, as the Einstein window, whatever you, you want to call it. Thinking hours. Yeah, exactly. You know, just, just time that you are blocking out to be intentional about, you know, thinking bigger picture, thinking about this stuff outside of kind of responding to emails uh, reactively, that's going to help you achieve the results that you're looking to achieve. So I have standing time on my calendar. Uh, usually I find I'm most effective in the morning. So I usually carve out nine till 10 in the morning uh, to, to allow myself to kind of set my intention for the day and, and also look to what I'd like to accomplish in that week or in a given month or with a specific customer. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes such a big difference. Just uh, before jumping into the all the tactical stuff and all the distractions just kind of you know like hey what is really important here right just do the 80 20 rule at least yeah no and that's exactly it that that 80 20 rule like where are you going to where is your time going to have an outsized impact uh, in, in terms of achieving what you want to achieve and you know i think we we all struggle with that that's uh it's kind of a part of the human condition with where we are in society. We, you know, we were talking about yeah. just the simple distraction of our, of our mobile devices and being accessible to anybody at any time and feeling, feeling compelled uh, to make ourselves accessible, right? So, yeah, I would say be intentional and, and try to hold yourself accountable. Try to, to share that intention with other people who can also hold you accountable, I believe, firmly in kind of a buddy system and, uh, and sharing your intentions uh, so that other people can, can help you realize them. Yeah, like like, you know, having people who are the five closest to you or three people who are closest to you. Uh, I think it was Ed Millett. Uh, he's a business a business guy from the United States. He, he's like a millionaire. And he talked about like, oh, like you have to be talking to people who will change your, uh, tem- like a thermostat temperature. And then uh, you hang out with them long enough, then your temperature is going to change permanently. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I could uh, I could jack up my my thermostat temperature any higher. I'm feeling feeling pretty hot already. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's you're 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 on the right track <laughs> now. So you were an account executive at Salesforce, and then you moved into customer success. What was it like? What's different? What was the what, what was different for you? And then what did you? Where did you find the better fit? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the the backstory around my motivations to to customer success. As you mentioned, I you know I had the fortunate opportunity of working for Salesforce, which is where I got kind of valuable perspective into into what sales was and, and how how to be an effective sales rep. Um, I, I made my way up through sales development, you know, qualifying leads and, and bringing those over to account executives, did business development where I was doing outbound cold prospecting and ultimately made my way into being an account executive uh, for a territory in North Carolina. And, you know, it, it was there where I really had my epiphany that I wanted to get more into the value delivery side of the equation, right? Once, mm. once we sell a customer on something, 
you know, oftentimes salespeople are are removed from what happens next, right? We we, we talk this big vision, and then as a yeah. salesperson, it's you know the sale is done and and off you go, you know, go go figure it out. And for me, you know, if I'm being candid, that was that was challenging to me. It didn't feel right mm-hmm. per se, and. At the, the, the same time, in that account executive role, given the nature of the Salesforce product, uh, I, I had the opportunity to build relationships with integration partners or implementation partners. These yeah. are people who would, as third parties, come in after mm-hmm. the sale. Uh, they would be paid, in many cases, very well, yeah. uh, sometimes more than the, the, the software itself, to go in, right. understand the customer's business, and, and tweak Salesforce to, uh, to work for that business and to do what the customer wanted it to do. And, and it was there that I, I really discovered for myself that I wanted to be on that side of the equation. I wanted to be the person after the sale had been done to, to take the customer by the hand, to align on what it was we were trying to accomplish, and to work with them to bring that to fruition. And so that really got me interested, this exposure to the implementation uh kind of consulting world in becoming a a customer success manager. Now I took one more step after Salesforce to get there. I I was fortunate enough to have some Salesforce colleagues that moved over to LinkedIn. Um, We we had strong relationships. They knew what I was capable of and and what I wanted to do. And they were the ones who kind of brought me over to LinkedIn. And the bigger allure for for LinkedIn, more than the brand itself, because Salesforce is a a powerhouse brand of its own. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. More than the brand itself, it, it was about the role. So the the role was a relationship manager, which allowed me to get into more account management and work towards that that value delivery. So rather than transactional sales and selling and moving on, I was able to you know sink into a book of customers that I would be responsible for renewing. And ultimately, that allowed me to really focus on delivering value because if you're going to renew your business yes. with us, you've got to be realizing value, right? And it was it was from that role that I had opened my eyes up to customer success, which was really kind of a fledgling focus at LinkedIn at the time. And I was successful in, in my role as a relationship manager largely because of my focus on delivering value. And so when the time came, I said, hey, I want to do this full time, right? And that was, yeah. that was really my foray into customer success, um, it was a transition from account executive and realizing I don't want to be on this transactional sales side of things into, you know, a, a right. progression to, to value delivery and, and then ultimately kind of post-sales customer success where I find myself today. But it's a good approach in terms of like you see the other, what's go, what's happens after the sale, right? You you see, you, you, you went through this um, sort of funnel of customer or to customer journey as they like to say it as all the marketers like to say it <laughs> like you 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 get the sale uh, after the marketers get you the leads and then and then you you basically are done and you're on to the next p- uh, people and your client roster or lead roster obviously so fluctuates a lot and then in a customer success you you basically keep them for quite a quite a while right and then you cross the one upsell them yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And I'm fortunate to be in a position, uh, of course, uh, so what I do in customer success is I partner with, with account managers, right? So I, I am really, uh, I, I try to make myself an essential partner to my, my sales partners. Those are my internal stakeholders. And so really the way that I measure that is, are my, are my sales partners internally at LinkedIn, are they hitting their quota? Are they exceeding their goal? Right. If they're doing that, then, then I feel you know, validated and justified in, in thinking that I'm doing my job well. Um, but obviously, there's also the external you know, stakeholder, which is the customer. And, and I think if you start there by delighting the customer, by making sure that y- they feel that you have their best interest in mind and that you understand their business, you understand what they're trying to 
accomplish and you deliver on that, um, that is going to ultimately make the, the, the renewal of the business and, and growth uh, of the partnership much easier for, for the sales the salesperson. So true. Now, I want to talk about failure or apparent failure, because, I mean, it happens so often. I'm sure it's, it's, it wasn't all the straight line for you as, <laughs> as for all of us. How has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success in the role you're in right now or in the role that you were before at Salesforce? Yeah. So, I mean, it, I'll take it back to that role at Salesforce. Like, that is, that is something I wouldn't say, you know, I, it was a, a failure. Uh, Insofar as that, like I, I didn't, I didn't feel that I was really underachieving in the role. Um, but you know, it was it was more a realization that it, it wasn't a good fit for me, yeah. right? So I found myself in this account executive role, and and I, I, it came to the point where I was I was deeply unsatisfied with with the role, and I was looking around at at kind of my my peers in, in sales and realizing how excited they were to to ring the bell or hit oh, the yeah. gong on closing a deal <laughs> and, yeah right and, and very salesy and and i i didn't i wasn't motivated by by that same thing you know closing a deal it didn't feel uh, like a, a tremendous professional success to me um what, what felt better to me was was being able to be with the customer connecting them with that implementation partner and in, in some cases actually riding along on the first few calls with that implementation partner to see how it was done and, and to actually see it come to life. Um, so, you know, I would say that, you know, it was, it was a learning experience. Being in that role, I realized th this isn't for me. Right. And, and at the time, it, it kind of felt maybe a little bit like a failure when you're looking around at people who are just so thrilled to be there, very competitive, very excited about mm -hmm. closing deals. And, and you're thinking, why am I not feeling the same way? Yeah. Right. It, it kind of felt a little bit like a like a failure, if we would call it that. Um, but but it was that experience and, and that the emotion that it evoked or didn't evoke in me um, that that led me to to realize that, hey, I have to follow my gut here and I need mm -hmm. to move myself more more towards value delivery, right? I'm, I'm, I'm very much somebody who prides myself in my ability to build relationships, you know, genuine relationships and, and ultimately help people, right? Help people realize their, their goals or, yeah. or their, their visions. No, so true. And actually I was just talking about it with my, um, uh, with my colleagues from the marketing agency where we had this debate about, um, obviously failures, but it's also like, how do you discover, what you really want to be doing. And there's one approach where, um, you know, like Charlie Munger's of the world would say, oh, you have to like develop, like put in 10,000 hours uh, off um, of different disciplines and go super, super broad. And then you test, test it and then you fail at some and then you will pick one that you are really, you like, uh, kind of like what you did. And then you would go in that. Or there's another approach where you would pick right away or almost straight away one discipline and you would go deep into that without doing too much exploring. So we were just waiting pros and cons. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's, there's merits to both, right? I think, you know, on that, on that note, you know, one thing that was said to me from a VP here at LinkedIn, who's, who's no longer with LinkedIn, it was at the time when I was uh, debating a move from relationship manager to customer success. And they're inherently different roles. Relationship manager, you, you own the book of business. So you're responsible for the sales cycles and, mm -hmm. and, you know, that's a different motion, right? You're, you're selling, you have a quota. Uh, customer success, there, there's no quota, right? You're not really responsible for that sales motion. And so I had consulted with this VP while he was in town from, from San Francisco. And I told him that I was thinking of making this move. And, and he said something to me 
that that has stuck with me. And and that was a very simple, you know, how do you define professional success, right? What what gives you a feeling of fulfillment when you think about what you're doing professionally? Is it ringing the bell and, you know, smashing your quota and, and the excitement that comes with that? Or is it like you're telling me, you know, being there for the journey with the customer and and helping them kind of really uh, fall in love with, with with your company and and with the investment that they've mm-hmm. made, yeah, and, and realize that you know at the end of it uh, or, or during it that wow this was a really great investment and we're we're thrilled to have partnered with this organization and for me it was it was overwhelmingly the the latter but I think that is it was just a really salient point for me was. And, and you get this through experience, right? You, you, Absolutely. You, you have to test out different things to know, as you said, what, what you don't like in, in order to kind of push you more in the direction of realizing what you do like. Um, but that question to ask yourself is, what, what gets you going professionally? How do you define professional ex- success? What excites you, right? And being able to, to have that in mind as you go through these various professional um, chapters in your life, I think will ultimately help you realize, realize the answer and, and find you're calling so true it's it's all about like the perspective right it's like um i think it was written in a product management book which it's more important to ask a good question uh than have a right answer because it, it's perspective is everything right like whenever we have a, a crappy whenever we have a crappy experience or we think oh this, how, how is this the worst thing that happened to me like we failed at something and whatever the person's going to come up with they will feel crappy they will feel like oh the world sucks uh, if they reframe the question and say, oh, how is this the best thing that ever happened to me? Because of this, I came to realize X, Y, Z, and that put me on a different path. And that single reframe that changes nothing in the past completely changes how the person feels. And and that reframe also obviously applies to what we want to be doing. And I feel like that's just so amazing like to know how to ask the right question. Yeah, and to yourself, right? It, 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 as you're saying, and it's funny you say that you're you're harnessing my friend Diana Jackson, who I had told about in this this interview. She's also a customer success manager mm-hmm. here, and and she basically said the the same thing, right? It, being able to to look at something from a different angle, right? I think we are we are just so prone to a, a fear of failure that that might be the default for many people, um, but there's there's always a different angle, right? There's always a, a different side to the same coin. So I, I like that you said that. Yeah, it's so true like you know I, I like to think about people there's a lot of examples but like tom billy for example uh, extremely successful uh, entrepreneur from the united states his role uh, when he was 30 years old literally was being a conference call and all he said when he worked with two other successful entrepreneurs was to say goodbye that was that's all he did and because he didn't know how like he didn't know anything now like how to do it and then he became a multimillionaire, uh, studied like hell and then it was able to 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 get where he wanted to go so it is doable but it's just like crazy that people underestimate regardless of how little they know now how much they can learn yeah yeah we're we're all infinitely more capable than we give ourselves credit for since you were in sales what does make a compelling sales message? If you're sending an email or you're sending a LinkedIn, what should be in there that would grab uh, someone's attention? Yeah, this is a, I love this. This is a softball question. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I have the privilege of, of in my role, consulting with, um, with, with sales professionals across those large sales organizations, as I mentioned. And that, that is a, 
a common question. And, and it might be surprising to some people because for, for many people, it's, it's you know, second nature. It's a no-brainer. Um, but I get that question quite often. And I've, I've validated the answer that I now give mm-hmm. with executives who receive outreach from salespeople, right? So I also have the privilege of, of speaking with a lot of VPs of sales and VPs in different functions just based on my role. And, and I'm always curious, you know, to ask them, what, what is a message that makes you right. pay attention, right? Because that's, you know, that's the truth, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would say one thing, to prioritize is is personalization. We talked about this before, Sergey. Before we, we jumped on the mic here, you know, everybody is inundated with generic, templated outreach these days, and and because they're inundated with it, they can they can smell it from a mile away. They can read it in the first couple of sentences, uh, words rather, of your subject line or the first sentence of your message, whether it's you know some crummy sales outreach. The way that you you break through to people is tapping into their humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Showing them that you're paying attention to what they're saying. And the reality is people people are are out there saying saying a lot, whether it's on LinkedIn yes. or some other forum, or perhaps their company is saying something. There's a lot of material out there, and I think a, a lot of people want to hit the easy button, right? Sales is tough. I get it, right? We we have finite amount of time to generate significant results, and so we have to strike this balance between quantity and, and quality. But in my experience, uh, f- the focus on quality will will yield will yield you results. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you make like 50, 50 phone calls, but you really what you're looking for probably to to get your quota or hit your quota is like one or two yeses or one or two people who would book a meeting with you and then hopefully get to the next step. Exactly. Yeah, kind of back to your, you know, the 80-20 rule you, you talked about, right? Focus your time, fo- focus your energy on on compelling messages. The information's out there, yeah. right? The, the information is undoubtedly out there. If you can't find it, you're probably not looking hard enough. Um, and you might just need to flex your creativity a little bit. There's, there's always some dots you can connect, some level of commonality, something that you can say to somebody that, that tells them, hey, I, I'm not just a, a sales robot, right? right? I, I, I've been listening to what's going on with your company, what's going on with you, and I'm going to spin that up in a creative message that that taps into that. And that's what people pay attention to in, in my experience, right? They they want to feel flattered. They right. want to feel like you've done your research Absolutely. on me before reaching out. Yeah. No, it's so true. What advice would you give to somebody, you know, who's smart, driven, who wants to be in a successful career, maybe somebody who's just joining sales or joining customer success or joining marketing? What should they think about uh, in their career if, if they are just early? Yeah, a, a couple of things. So um, number one, f- focus on building quality relationships, right? Not, not, not quantity of relationships, quality of relationships. I, I say that because I, I am where I am today professionally because of quality relationships that I built. So I started my career out out of school uh, doing business at Wilfrid Laurier, a yeah. uh, local university here, uh, at Canon, and that was a job I had to scrap for, you know. And and I got my got my shot, which was great. Mm-hmm. But from there, every job I've had subsequently has been through a quality relationship. Mm-hmm. So when I was at Canon, my my friend who who works in capital markets approached me and said, "Hey, somebody from Salesforce who's a good friend of mine just approached me." I'm not interested in moving into tech. I'm making too much money in finance, but I, I know you're working with, with CRM. So why don't I connect you? That friend 
only did that because we had such a strong relationship right. and, and he knew you know what I was capable of and the type of person I was same thing goes when uh, when I left Salesforce for LinkedIn it was a friend who I had built a, a deep, meaningful relationship with, who had said, listen, I know what you're capable of. I think you're going to be a great fit here. I'll go to bat for you. And and had had me top of mind and brought me over to, to LinkedIn. Was, it was a right. major, major force in getting me over to LinkedIn. And so focus on building quality relationships, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's so easy to be distracted and, and to want to make relationships with everybody, but really, really prioritize those, those handful of relationships. And you'll know, yeah. you'll know when you got something special to, to work on. And outside of that, Sergey, this mm-hmm. is something that you've done very well is how, how you and I met. Um, don't be shy. Don't be shy to try and build relationships and to network with people that you don't know. I think human nature is, is inherently, um, uh, kind, right? And and we we want to help others. It makes us feel good about ourselves. You'd be amazed if you reach out to somebody in 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 such a way to ask for their help, even if you don't know them at all. At how often people people will be willing to extend their hand and um and bestow their their advice. So so network, but network thoughtfully. And and again, this is something that you could speak to to your listeners about thoroughly because it's something that you're very very good at. Yeah, pr- I should probably do a separate session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it's true. The tricks. I think those are so important. Like they're really fundamental things, and uh, not being transactional, obviously, uh, in in building a relationship and not trying to extract something from the person. Like, oh, like you work at LinkedIn, cool. Like, oh, maybe I should like do like I don't know, submit a resume or something. It's uh, there's a, like a subtle line, uh, and, and it's it definitely will take time for people to learn. Like, not trying to uh, take advantage of, but just trying to deliver value uh, without expecting something in return. Uh, but that only works when they play a long game. And nobody, as we know, we talked about it, most people would want it tomorrow or actually yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember when you, when you were networking with me, even after we'd had our first meeting, you would, you would share with me thoughtful articles. Hey, Sean, based on our conversation, I thought you might be interested in this. And, you know, to me, it, it just made the whole thing feel much more natural. And it, and it gave me that impression that he's, he's not just here trying to hit me up for, for a job, right? So you're, right. you're absolutely right. And you should definitely do a separate episode to bestow <laughs> your advice for networking on your listeners. Well, I've got uh, another idea. We'll put on the list. Now, you know, we all are surrounded by technology. There's there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of stress. And gratitude is such an important part in life. And just remembering that we are here for a reason. How do you, what are you doing like, or during the day, maybe in the morning, in the evening to, to, to have that gratitude in your life? Um, maybe certain things that, maybe rituals that you follow. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. Gratitude. I mean, we are one of one of the uh, the sayings. And I can't remember who said it, but um, you know, it, it is along the lines of you know, if I um, if I knew kind of knew knew then that I'd have what I have now, like kind of the, the past me would be be so amazed and, and so grateful, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I think it's it, you know we get caught up in 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 the present, and oftentimes we can overlook that. So a couple of couple of things I do, um, I I. Have, have the fortune of of an autonomous commute on the go train from from Burlington, uh, a, a suburb of of Toronto, into uh, into the city, and uh, that affords me the luxury of time. Um, so I will. 
tune in uh, for at least 10 to 15 minutes every morning uh, to do a, a guided meditation um, through through an app that many many of your listeners might be familiar with called Headspace. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's a great one. I love it. Great one, right? I mean, we're we're not. Uh, we are not Buddhists, so it helps to have a, a guide. Um, so I, that that helps me, I think, just kind of uh, get into a mindset where I can exercise gratitude throughout the day, and also just just stopping throughout the day to to realize just to, just to breathe. Mm-hmm. I, I think breathing, um, you know, was was something that I became very interested in when I uh, when I adopted the the practice of yoga. Uh, actually, when I joined LinkedIn, because LinkedIn's got a fantastic wellness program, and we have yoga classes available for us here. Um, but just stopping to, to breathe and to realize, it, you know, that, that you're alive and, and just to breathe is something so special. Um, outside of that, you know, my, my, my family uh, constantly roots me in, in gratitude. I have a young daughter at home who's just a year old and she keeps me laughing and smiling and, uh, and proud all of the time. So um, when I'm with my family, just, just sinking into that time, uh, that, that really bestows on me a sense of gratitude as well. Yeah, no, those are so, so important. And I think uh, you touched on breathing. I think uh, there's a guy, uh, Brendan Bashar. He's uh, like a life coach. And he has the, wrote, wrote a book, High Performance Habits. And he talks about whenever you are, you know, like take a break every hour and after an hour, you just stand up, you just close your eyes and you like uh, breathe and you say release and you can actually feel how the pressure comes down. Uh, and then you... Before you open your eyes, you set an intention for how you're going to feel, whatever you're going to be doing next. Yeah. And it's very subtle and might feel weird, but I can guarantee anybody who actually does like intensive work, uh, if you do that, you will feel a lot better. You jump on your computer or on, on your task, you will feel a lot sharper. You'll feel a lot more focused just by taking a pause, closing your eyes after an hour because there's like the research has been done that the the brain can't really focus more than like 55 uh, 60 minutes and you will feel the difference and it's like so cool i tried it i'm like that that thing really works yeah yeah so look that guy up right and and practice your your breathing it doesn't take much right you're doing it anyways just be more intentional about it yeah Yeah. 100 percent when you think of a person who's really successful and um to everybody will be different thing who comes to mind yeah, well, it, depending on when you ask me this question, it, it, you know, you would get a different answer. That the twenty-one-year-old uh, me would have said Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, a, yeah. a tremendously successful, uh, larger-than-life personality for various <laughs> reasons. Um, but I think, you know, it, being being thirty-three now and in, in a different chapter of my life, um, I, I have different priorities, and and I look to more real-world people, uh, you know, who I've had exposure to. Um, one gentleman, he is. Uh, he is in the LinkedIn pantheon, if we could call it that. He just actually moved on from, from LinkedIn and became the CEO of another tech company. I was just checking his profile recently. That just mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. His name is, uh, is Mike Gamzen, and Mike Gamzen ran the, the entire sales organization across LinkedIn, 5,000 people strong uh, for, for many, many years. And he appealed to me, um, one, for his ability to, to just be be himself, to be so genuine, even in such a, uh, a high position of power, 
power. Um, so genuine to the point of, you know, building relationships with individual contributors, recognizing people when we had our annual sales kickoff and checking in with them, being so approachable, a very charismatic guy, you know, amazing at public speaking, capturing the attention of a room, something that from a professional development standpoint, I'm constantly working on. And, uh, and also, a, you know, a family man, a, yeah. a guy uh, who from my exposure to him has a family and despite his high demand job and, and the demands on his time, um, seems you know, from, from an external viewer's point of view mm-hmm. to, to really prioritize time with his family and experiences with his family. Um, and that is something, you know, that, that is the biggest priority in my life. Um, finding, finding kind of that work life balance. So to see somebody who's had such a powerful career continues to be, be such a powerful influence in the tech community while also balancing a very successful and happy family life. Um, that to me is, is somebody who's, who's successful. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, matches your values and like, oh, this thing is actually possible because somebody else did it, did it. Yeah, yeah, he had, he had actually said to me when, when I uh, approached him in a recent sales kickoff, um, you know, I, I told him I was out on paternity leave. I took a six-week paternity leave. Thanks, thanks LinkedIn, uh, you know, when my, my daughter came. And I told him about that, and he said something to me that stuck with me, and he said, you know, build, build a wall around your family. And uh, coming from a guy, you know, with his profile, that that meant a lot to to think that oh, even a, even a guy at that level playing playing on that stage, you know, he can really set boundaries um, and and build those walls around his family for for certain things. And so that has got me thinking a lot lately about as as my child ages, as we build our family out, um, how am I going to do that? Right? What are the things that I need to safeguard in terms of my family? And, and, you know, I think there are people who will say, who will have an argument. I mean, a lot of people have an argument about hard lines. Like, oh, you shouldn't really set maybe drop the hard lines in this 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 area. But family, for a lot of people, uh, myself included, would be that area as for you to say, look, this is this is my time. I'm not I'm not online or I'm not doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Draw, draw those, draw those lines. And, and, you know, you're going to have to be selective, right? Because yes. there's, there's, there's a balance to be had. Um, but figure out what that is. We just had our, our CMO in, in the Toronto office recently. And I asked her very much the same question, kind of using that, that context that I just provided about that statement that Mike delivered to me. Uh, and she said, uh, she said, there, there are two things that I'll, I'll, I'll never miss you know, despite her busy schedule. She said, doctor's appointments, I'll never miss with, with my kids, as well as any type of, of performance, right? So if they're doing a ballet recital or, yeah. or what have you. So I thought that was nice. And I thought, you know, she was very thoughtful about just selecting you know, a few things. I right? can't get too greedy, um, but there are a few things that you can really, truly just say, you know, no, I, I have this. And so I can't, I, I won't do anything else. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to have regrets looking back like, oh, actually, I missed that that really cool event yeah. with my kid. Yeah. Totally true. I really didn't ask this question on the podcast, but I wanted to. I heard it on Tim Ferriss' podcast, so here it is. Love what, Tim. What was, yeah, he's so good. He's like so many insights and great guests. What was the recent purchase of $100 or less that had a significant impact on you, if you could remember? Yeah, well, I know, and I'll, I'll steal from, uh, I set this up already, but um, it, was, it was my subscription to Headspace. All right, so I can't remember what it was, but it was definitely under a hundred dollars. And um, it, you know, it, it, for all of the material things we, uh, you know, we indulge in, uh, 
this was this was very unique for me, right? Being able to, you know, kind of get an introduction into that world. We hear so much now uh, from from prominent people in their fields and successful people in in business and society and otherwise um, about about their meditation techniques. Uh, their mindfulness practice. And so, you know, I, I wanted to jump on the bandwagon. I didn't know much about it. And I, I found Headspace to just be, uh, you know, a, a, a wonderful Sherpa of, of mindfulness and, and meditation. And it, as I mentioned, it's something that I do every morning on my way into work. And I find it just it just helps me kind of go into the day um, with, with, with a fresh perspective and with kind of a, a sense of gratitude. So... I know you're a big reader. You like personal development. You're into that stuff for a while now. Um, what are some of the books that you that you loved and maybe you keep coming across to? And you know, they, those don't doesn't have to be just business. They can be personal development, business, any of psychology. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the cool books that stand out to you or yeah. stood out? You got me at a great time because, as I mentioned, I've got that commute that allows me to read a lot as well. So I've been reading a lot of books lately. Um, so I'll give you I'll give you a couple. I, I Anything by Yuval Noah Harari, I, I find fascinating. Um, you'll you'll know him from Sapiens, which was the the first oh, yeah. installment of his book. He's he's got a subsequent book that I'm reading now called Homo Deus, which talks you know more futuristic outlook on on humanity and society. And then he's also got one called Twenty One Lessons for the Twenty First Century, which I, I recently finished. Uh, fascinating, able to distill very complex ideas and and thoughts into very relatable kind of anecdotes um, and stories. So great author, highly recommend. Um, from a from a professional standpoint, I, I really enjoyed the book by Greg McCown, which is called Essentialism. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to you know a concept that you and I were talking about is kind of like how do you focus your time? How do you how do you intentionally carve out time to focus on what matters and make meaningful progress on those things? Yeah. And and that's what that book's all about. It's about the disciplined pursuit of less. Um, and then uh, lastly, I've been getting into a lot of philosophy philosophy lately. Um, there's a contemporary uh, kind of spiritual leader or philosopher that many people will be aware of. Uh, his name's Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. And Eckhart has a fantastic book called The Power of Now. Um, and, and that has just, uh, I would say, expanded my perspective on the importance of, of, of just, just being, right? Just, uh, again, being grateful right. for, for being here. So Very cool. Yeah. I, I, so I have I read the first book, Sapiens. I haven't read the other ones, but I must well after this interview is done we I'm going to go and add it to a list cuz they are like that's what I like reading as well and and by the way we will link it in the show notes for everybody who's listening so you can guys grab it on Amazon. There you go. That's a that's a you're learning from Tim Ferriss. And hey, we're right above the Eaton Center one of the best malls in Toronto so you can just go down to the Indigo. You're right there. Oh, there we go. Exactly. <laughs> that okay, so there that here's my plan for the next half an hour. That's right. <laughs> Where's uh, Sean? Where's everybody can find you online? Uh, well, you know, you're um, you're always welcome to find me on on LinkedIn. I'm spelt Sean S H A U N, and I'm sure you'll put that in the notes. Yeah, I will. yeah. Uh, so find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm I'm happy to connect with people. If you'd like to connect with me, you know, from this, I, I always recommend this a little pro tip for those folks uh, looking to build their network. Uh, always customize your your connection request. You know, let the person know who you are, why you're interested in connecting. LinkedIn will give you a very generic out of the box statement to connect. I'd like to join your, your network. Um, when you're connecting with people who you might not know or not know well, uh, it's, it's important that you customize those connection requests. So hit me up on, on LinkedIn. Uh, that would be the, the best place to find me online. 
and follow Sean's advice. It's, it's super important. But Sean, otherwise, it was a pleasure to catch up. Thanks a lot. And thanks for your insights. Thank you, Sergey. It's my pleasure. Really appreciate this. Thank you.